Today we continue our series about things that can steal our joy if we let them. We've been having some fun uh, with this series using the, the pirate theme as part of it because pirates steal things. But in reality, these are very serious matters. Uh, someone wrote to me in an email, there are so many thieves ready to take from us the joys and moments God has given us. We have to be vigilant and mindful so we don't let that happen. I couldn't have said it any better myself. So far, uh, we've talked about worry, uh, bitterness, and negativity, and how we can overcome uh, those joy thieves. What we're going to focus on today is every bit as relevant uh, to our daily lives. Busyness. Busyness. Busyness is an especially tricky joy thief. Because we can be busy doing good things. So it seems like this is good, right? These are good things. But before long, if we continue at a pace that's unsustainable, we will realize that busyness is stealing our joy. We need to have a proper balance in our lives or else a busy schedule can take over and take our joy. It's been called our most precious commodity, time. We all have the same amount of time in a day, 24 hours or 1,440 minutes, or to break it down even further, 86,400 seconds. There went another one. And time just keeps rolling on, doesn't it? What will we do with this great gift? How can we best spend the time we are given? For every one of us, the time we have on this earth is limited. So these are important questions. The writer of the book of Psalms in the Bible says, Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, for they quickly pass and we fly away. Some of us are given more time than others. A man attended a woman's 104th birthday and said to her, Miss May, 104 years. That's an awfully long time. And she replied, Jimmy, from where you are looking forward, it sure is. But from where I am looking back, it's amazing how quickly it has gone by. No matter how many years we're given, they will one day come to an end. When they do, we are very likely to look back on them and be surprised at how quickly they went by. How does the psalmist respond when he acknowledges the limited time he has on earth? He prays. That's his response. And in particular, prays these words. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. We don't have forever to figure out what's most important. We don't have forever to do something with our lives that matters. We don't have forever to make things right or to get our lives in order. Our time on this planet is limited. So the psalmist says, we'd better be wise with the choices we make. One response to the brevity of our lives is to attempt 
to do all we can, as quickly as we can, for as long as we can. Every good thing we can think to do, we do it. Every opportunity for fun and happiness, off we go. Burn the candle at both ends. Even if it does not last the night, we will stay busy and hopefully happy. But is that the way of wisdom? Or is there a better way to live a full and exciting life and experience deep and lasting joy? Our lives can be so busy and often we run from one place to the next. If we're not careful, all this activity can leave us exhausted and weary. Rather than leading us into joy, it can steal our joy. Deep down, we long for more than just busyness, more than just activity for the sake of activity. We crave connections and meaningful relationships. We hunger for hope, meaning, and purpose. Our calendar can be completely packed with activities while we are left frazzled, frustrated, and unfulfilled. Do you know that feeling? I do. Or maybe it's a bit different for you. Maybe, maybe in your life you do have some margin, which is a good thing. And maybe you're not constantly on the move. I've been there too, but, but we can easily find ourselves looking ahead and spending so much time looking ahead that we miss out on what's right before us. We miss out on what's happening now because we're constantly looking out on the horizon. When uh, our daughter Annie, our firstborn, was just a baby, uh, there I was, a proud dad, uh, a little over-anxious, more than a little, um, and just trying to process how, with, thanks to our little one, our world had completely changed. And then one day, out of the blue, this thought occurred to me I'd never before, before thought of. And so I went right to Molly with it. <laughs> and I said to Molly, my wife, with like wide eyes, I said, Molly, when are we going to let Annie start to date? <laughs> and it had just occurred to me. I was overwhelmed. And Molly very quickly brought me back to reality. You know, wives have a way of doing that for, for us uh, husbands. And um, she said, slow down. <laughs> slow down, Ken. Breathe. <laughs> Breathe. Let's focus on today. I qu quickly agreed. Yeah, yeah, good idea. Today. Today. Chip and uh, Joanna Gaines own a remodeling and uh, design business. Uh, the TV show Fixer Up, or some of you might have, uh, have watched this show, it uh, documents how they transform dilapidated houses into show places. And uh, those show places are, are helping not just the family who lives there, but they're actually helping uh, revitalize communities in uh, Central Texas where the Gaines live. Well, Joanna recently shared uh, this lesson about how our busy lives can be, in a sense, redesigned, re 
remodeled and changed for the good. And she wrote, it's always been my nature to reflect on the past and linger there for a while. I find myself thinking about what I will miss and how life is just moving too fast. I mean, Crew, their baby, is already six months old and saying, Mama, Drake, another son, will be driving in two years and off to college in four. And just like that, I have found myself mourning the past, but now in future tense. You see what I just did there? This whole thing can feel like a thief if you let it. I'm challenging myself in this new year to live for now, the present, taking in every breath, every sight and sound, and holding it dearly. Not thinking about how the good old days have passed us by or how the best is yet to come, but that right now, this very second, this is the gift. These are the days. These are the moments. And I'm going to breathe them all in. If there's pain and sorrow or happiness and hope, let it in and then let it out. I want to enjoy the now because it's the only thing we can actually embrace. I want to hold it carefully, hold it thoughtfully. I want to rid myself of the little distractions because I have found that these are the thieves that steal our moments and rob our days. But time, time is our most precious gift. Here's to seeing and finding the beauty, the hope and joy in the right now in 2019. And for goodness sake, let's have some fun while we're at it. It's going to be a happy new year indeed. Believing that for all of us, hashtag wonder in the now, these are the days. I think she's on to something there. Uh, here's similar wisdom from the comic strip Calvin and Hobbes. We're so busy watching out for what's just ahead of us that we don't take time to enjoy where we are. Sometimes that's been true for me. How about you? Busyness can be a subtle but dangerous joy thief. Uh, we only have so much time and we want our lives to matter. So how can we live wisely and experience joy? Our reading for today gives us a trustworthy answer by pointing us to God in this prayer. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. One of the, the first uh, viral sensations of 2019 is a social media challenge that has to do with numbering our days. It's called the How Hard Did Aging Hit You Challenge. Uh, maybe some of you have done it. The idea is to post side-by-side -side, uh, pictures of yourself, the first uh, being your very first profile picture, whenever that was, and then the second, your current one, so that people can see and you can see and compare and, and, and notice how you've changed. Um, since Facebook really took off around 2008, for many people, these photos are showing a decade's difference or more, and the challenge has since spread uh, to other platforms like Twitter and Instagram. In some cases, the differences aren't too noticeable in photos, but for many other people, the difference is significant. Uh, one New York uh, police precinct, here we are, posted um, a set of photos of an officer when he was just a child there on the left, dressing up as, as a police officer. That was his, his dream. 
And then on the right, there he is now serving in uniform as an adult. Some organizations have joined in the fun. The Colorado Rockies uh, baseball team posted photos of their center fielder, uh, Charlie Blackman. On the left, there he is as a clean-shaven rookie. And on the right, his current photo, he's sporting a beard capable of hiding small animals. <laughs> An Illinois uh, library posted a picture of a construction site on the left-hand side announcing the future site of their building, and then on the right-hand side, their current uh, completed building. Now, that's, uh, that's a clever way of approaching uh, this challenge. And uh, it's also a reminder of a slightly different way of thinking about things, not in terms of how aging has hit us, which makes Aging sound entirely negative, right? It, it hits us. It's, it's all negative. It's, it's all downhill, you know, so the saying uh, and the idea might go. But not to think of it in those terms, uh, but rather in terms of how much we have grown, the progress uh, we can see. And when the psalmist talks about numbering our days, that's the idea. Thinking in terms of how we can grow. Uh, when we number our days well, it's about so much more than just marking the passage of time. It's about living with a heart of wisdom. It's about giving back to God what he has first given us, this gift of time, each day of our lives. And then seeing the growth God brings about in us and around us as a result. We shouldn't just count our days, we should make our days count. To do that, we must recognize that our priorities matter. Uh, our time is our most valuable possession and, and we should offer all of it to God. That doesn't mean we spend all of our time in prayer and Bible study, all of our time volunteering, serving in the community. No, but what it does mean is that we allow God's priorities to be established in our lives, so that those are the priorities that really guide us. It's easy to get our priorities wrong. Uh, an advertisement appeared in a newspaper. Farmer seeks lady with tractor with view to possible uh, companionship and marriage. Please send photo of tractor. <laughs> One of the things that happens when we give our time to God, is we realize that people are much more important than possessions. Our priorities must be our relationships. And our number one priority is our relationship with God. Starting the day by reading the Bible and praying, listening for God, always, always has an impact on the rest of the day. We need to set aside time to be alone with the Lord. We also need to set aside time to be with other Christians on Sundays and perhaps at some midweek gathering where we can encourage one another. To stop us from getting caught up in unhealthy cycles of busyness, God does something I think is amazing. Here's what God does. Knowing this would be a persistent difficulty for us, knowing we would tend regularly to get caught up in unhealthy cycles of busyness, what does God do? He gives us a gift called the Sabbath, a day of worship and of rest 
this is a day where it's not about what we do. We're to put our work away. <laughs> We're to allow ourselves to be and not to be driven by this need to do and do and do. Observing the Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments from the Old Testament, and it also applies to followers of Christ. Uh, God says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. So the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Life is about more than just doing. We need to focus simply on being. The wisdom of God's people across the centuries calls us to build into the weekly rhythm of our lives a time of rest, a time when we're reminding ourselves, I am more than what I do. And there's the danger in this attractiveness that, that busyness has. On the surface, it, it's, it's pushing an idea that sounds compelling at first, but only when we examine it and see what's beneath the surface can we realize that's not true. What's, what sounds compelling about it is we should be hardworking people, right? We should be people of action. Well, and that's true as far as that goes, but you take the next step and you tie that idea with the notion that you are defined by what you do, that your value and your worth as a person derives from what you do and how you do it. That's a lie. You are so much more than what you do. Your worth, your identity does not come from, is not determined by what you do. It comes from something deeper. And see, God, in a way, kind of models this idea for us by resting on the seventh day. Not because God had to rest, not because God was tired, but simply because God wanted to take the time to delight in himself and to delight in the world he had made. God just wanted to take the time and not be hurried, not be rushed. And there's a word in there for us because we can very easily be driven by our to-do list. And for me, and for many of you, I'm sure too, it's an ever-growing list and a never-ending list. That's the, that's the thing that we learn, sometimes the hard way. The list never ends. It just keeps growing. And there can be good things on that list. We've got to keep that in a proper perspective. And the Sabbath helps us to do that. You know, Jesus was once criticized by some, um, some of the religious leaders. They didn't like how he was doing things. And so they thought, well, we'll kind of trap him. And we'll say, well, hey, your, your followers, they're, they're breaking the Sabbath. They're doing work on the Sabbath. They're, they're uh, getting food for themselves from the, the, the uh, wheat in the field. And don't, don't you know, Jesus, don't they know this is the Sabbath? And, of course, Jesus completely, you know, turns the conversation around and, and says, no, you know, we're not made for the Sabbath. We're not made for some slavish obedience to God's 
rules. It's better than that. The Sabbath is made for us. It's to be a gift for us. It's God's gift for us. So in the context there, he's saying, my followers, you know, they're hungry. Okay, that's fine. They can get food. That's an appropriate thing for them to do. This, 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 this does not dishonor God. Because the Sabbath is a gift for us. And God offers it to us as a gift. It's a time to rest and, and get recharged. A time uh, to remember what's most important. To worship God, be with others, and focus on being rather than doing. It's like breathing for the soul. And then we go back into the world with a shot of spiritual energy, renewed, re-energized, recharged, ready to go, ready to do our work when the time comes. But that's the gift of the Sabbath. This idea of regularly setting aside time away from the daily grind is countercultural. Our world tells us we should constantly be busy, but that's not the way to peace and joy. It's the way to burnout and frustration. Psychologists now talk about an addiction to being busy. And in 21st century America, we need to hear this. An addiction to being busy. Uh, a physician and speaker named Lisa Rankin wrote an article in Psychology Today, and for the title, she uses a question we should each ask ourselves. Are you addicted to being busy? And in it, she shares a personal admission that many people can relate to. She writes, when I get off the hamster wheel of busyness, I'm forced to notice what comes up for me when I'm not busy. Things I don't necessarily want to look at like my flailing marriage, or the fact that I feel shame around how I'm missing out on some of my daughter's sweetest childhood moments because my job requires travel, or how afraid I am of being ordinary, or how I tend to feel unworthy and unlovable unless I'm overachieving, or the fact that my mother isn't getting any younger and I don't get to see her very often and I wonder if I'm unconsciously pulling away from her because I'm terrified of losing her one day. Or how uncomfortable I am with realizing that although a lot of people online care about what I have to say, I'm not very good at cultivating and sustaining lasting relationships with real people who really know me and love me. Or how lonely I feel even when I'm surrounded by a crowd of people. If you can identify with some of those words, you're certainly not alone. As a whole, our society has bought into the idea that if we stay busy enough, then the truth of our lives won't catch up with us. We can use busyness to numb the feelings of vulnerability that accompany the things in our lives that are unsettling or difficult. Here's what that means. Maybe we'd rather not deal with the hard stuff, so instead we just keep ourselves busy. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because I'm sure some of us here have done that. We have, we have let busyness become an excuse that keeps us from addressing the deeper issues we really need to get to. But instead, we don't go there because we just pile more on the surface and say, I'm busy, I'm busy. 
Or maybe the busyness in your life is different. Maybe it's just the result of saying yes to too many things, and they could all be good things. But what are the most important things? What is your best yes? There's a much better way than busyness. In the Bible, we read about the peace that passes understanding. You can have that peace in your life, and it doesn't come from busyness. It's not about what you do or achieve. It's compelling, that kind of peace. It draws you in. It, it makes you crave more. It jolts you awake so you don't want to miss out on life by filling yourself with crazy busyness. You can have that peace because you've been created in the image of God. God has made you for a purpose. You matter. Your life matters. It's not because of what you achieve. It's simply because of who you are, created and loved by God. And you are called by God to live out your purpose in life. This is the primary purpose of your life. This is the most important thing, to know God, to live in relationship with God, to find your worth and your value and to find freedom and joy in loving God and loving people. Jesus came to make that possible for all of us. In Jesus, we can be who we were created to be. In Jesus, you can know the immense pleasure of living the life you were destined for. In Jesus, you can live for an eternal purpose that honors God and does his work in the world. I love the fact that in a stressful world where so many of us are weary and burdened, Jesus promises us rest. Come to me, Jesus says. All you who are weary and burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. Jesus says to you, are you tired, worn out, burned out on busyness? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. That's Jesus' invitation to you. How will you respond? The prayer in our reading asks God, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Wisdom tells me I have one chance to live well. I have one chance to be the husband my wife deserves. I have one opportunity to be the father my children need. I have one life, one, only one, one life to make a difference to fulfill God's will for my life and to glorify the Savior who died for me. Wisdom tells me that I have one chance to live a story with my life that I'm proud of. And wisdom tells me that I will never live that life and I will never find real and lasting joy if I allow myself to be distracted by busyness.
Lord, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And as Jesus taught us, now we pray together. Our Father, who art in